You are listening to the Coggin Avenue Baptist Church Podcast. In the midst of loneliness and dissatisfaction, Coggin wants to help you learn God's truth in a supportive community that pursues a full life in Jesus. If you want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.cogginchurch.org. Everybody doing okay? Good. I'm glad. Hey, I'm the junior high youth pastor here at Coggin. My name is Chris Stewart, and uh, we're just excited that you are here. We've been going through uh, a series on the parables and, and talking about, and Jesus told a lot of stories throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of his stories lead us to a better understanding of what the kingdom of God is to look like and how we as kingdom citizens are to live inside of the kingdom of God. And so uh, this morning we're going to be talking about the parable of the two sons. We're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 15. And so if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 15 and follow along there. But before... Uh, we get into Luke chapter 15. I want to tell you a little bit about myself. So I grew up in a family of five. Uh, I had two older sisters and um, living, uh, living in a family where there's two older sisters above you and you're the only young boy. You become a baby doll uh, as, as you grow up. So this includes makeup. It includes dresses. Uh, it includes pictures that uh, you have to relive for the rest of your adult life. Um, thankfully, there was no iPhones uh, during that time, but uh, I finally put a stop to that when I was 16 years old. I said, no more. I said, we can't do this. Uh, that was when they, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was at 15. Uh, but... <laughs> But growing up with two older sisters made me very uh, possessive of my stuff. Uh, so I did not, I was fine with them trading things and sharing with one another. But I really did not want my sisters touching uh, my things. I didn't want them coming into my domain. They had their own little space over there with their rooms and their bathroom. And I had my own little space that was for me and for me alone. Uh, but one day I came home from school. And the first time I saw my sister, she had gone into my room and gotten one of my shirts. And she was wearing one of my shirts. And I thought to myself... Uh, we have the same mom and dad, and they have bought shirts for me. Obviously, they bought shirts for you as well. Can you please stop wearing my shirts, okay, and wear your, and wear your own? But not only that, my mom and dad would specifically buy me a big thing of Oreos. I loved Oreos and milk. It was kind of my thing. And I would come home, and my Oreos were eaten. And I thought to myself, how dare you? How dare you take what my mom and dad bought for me and use it for your own pleasure and your joy? And it made me frustrated. And so I did what any sane person would do is I took all of my snacks and everything and I hid them under my bed in my room. And every day when I would leave, I would lock my door and I would take my tiny little flat end key, you know, that you stick in the little knob and, and turn. I would take that with me for my day at school and I would go out thinking we're good to go. Everything's locked up, ready to go. And then for some reason, Jessica would find her way back into my room and get my stuff because she could break into it very easily. But here's the deal is that I thought about that this, I thought about that this week, you know, growing up with my sister and, and, and you know, talking about the parable of the two sons is, uh, 
my heart was not in the right place for my sister, okay? I mean, she was my sister, and so a part of me is like, you still don't deserve this? I'm just kidding. But, uh, but that's just how siblings really, really are. But I, I, my heart was in the wrong place for my sister because I didn't want her to have my stuff. For one thing, because she was my sister, another thing, I didn't think that she deserved it. I was like, you don't deserve my stuff. Like my mom and dad bought this for me. And I realized as an adult, that sounds crazy because after having children, I'm like, we buy everything. Like we are the ones who'd store our cabinets with food and buy your clothes and all of that. So none of it belonged to me anyways. But I had a problem with my heart towards my sister thinking that she did not deserve the things that I had. And maybe I think we all do this all the time, right? In our own lives, we have things inside of our lives, our possessions, the things that we own and all of that. We, we, we accumulate and we try to hold on to those things because a lot of times we don't think that others deserve what we have. Maybe our money or our land or our country or fill in the blank, whatever it is, we think to ourselves, there's no way people deserve these things that we have because we are so great and mighty and the, and the greatest people on earth. And maybe Maybe even holding on to our own salvation as though we deserve that in the beginning. And I say that because when we get into the parable of the two sons, we are going to see the struggle of an older son looking at his brother and see this strife happening inside of him. But not only that, we see Jesus beginning this parable to try and help the Pharisees understand what it's like to live inside of the kingdom of God. So let's look at Luke chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2 in the beginning here. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him to hear him, that is Jesus. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus The tax collectors and sinners were drawn to him. And I thought about how in my own life, am I living my life in a way where people who maybe are far from God are drawn to me in my life? And I know I'm not Jesus in any way, but are they drawn to me in the way that I live my life, in the way that I love people around me and have compassion on other people? It says, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. Why are they grumbling? They're like, this man eats and he receives sinners. He eats with them. Why is Jesus sitting down and eating with tax collectors and sinners? And if you've ever been, has everybody ever, you've seen a musical before, right? Either on TV or you've seen it live, you know, yeah, exactly, the jazz hands. So people are, people are walking around and they're talking and you're watching this. And then all of a sudden the entire school breaks out in a choreographed dance and everybody's singing and harmonizing with one another. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, how did they know that they were all going to dance and sing at the same time anyways? But I thought about that and I was thinking, okay, Jesus, anytime he comes in contact with the Pharisees and, and, and anybody, and they ask him a question, all of a sudden he just kind of breaks out into parable and begins to tell a story to help everybody understand kind of the truth behind it. So Jesus had already given the Pharisees before this, he had already given them exactly what they needed to hear. They were just hard of hearing. 
as a Pharisee normally was, they were so uh, full of themselves, so self-righteous and inundated with who they were that they kind of forgot about other people around them. They just don't, they don't understand, they don't get it because they're thinking in terms of law and not in terms of love. So the law of Moses said, hey, abide by all of these commandments, abide by these rules. And they took that literally and said, we have to do everything it says perfectly. Or if you don't, then you are an outcast. You've got to get out of our, get out of our area. But Jesus many times talked about uh, the terms of love, the law of love. And Paul talks about this too in 1 Corinthians 9.21 and Romans 13.8-10 where he says, the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? To love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets are wrapped up in those two commandments. If you would abide by those, and that's exactly what the Pharisees were missing. They were missing the idea of what it meant to love them. They had a heart problem inside of them. If you look back at Matthew chapter 9 verses 12 through 13, Jesus calls Matthew the tax collector. He calls him to follow him and Matthew's like, yes, I will, I will follow you. And he goes to Matthew's house and they have a dinner party. And of course the Pharisees are there again. They're watching Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus looks at them and says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus said, I didn't come to earth to call people who think that they have it all together. That's not the people that I've called. If they think that they've got it all together, they've got it all together. But I've come to those who are broken, who are in need of a savior, who are in desiring healing. And he said too, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The Pharisees were missing it. They were missing the idea that love is greater than, greater than just abiding by the law perfectly. So Jesus begins this parable. He's speaking with the Pharisees. And he begins this parable to talk about, he talks about a lost sheep. And he says uh, in, in verse 4, he says there's a, there's a lost sheep. Uh, uh, the shepherd goes and finds it. And when he finds it, there's a celebration that happens over one sinner who repents. And then he goes into, okay, there's a lost coin. And who, they find the lost coin. And when they find the lost coin, there is a celebration over one person who repents. And so there's a framework here that draw, it draws out the idea that joy comes from sinners repenting. Joy comes from sinners repenting. So repentance, as we go through the parable of the two sons, is going to be our framework. It's going to be the main idea here. And let me give you a definition of repentance. Repentance is reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs which is accompanied by commitment to and actual actions that show and prove a change for the better. So repentance is not just, Lord, I repent, I did wrong, and then continue walking in the same way that you were before. Repentance is you are walking in one direction and you completely turn away from 
And you begin to walk in a different direction. That is what repentance is. There is commitment. There is action that is taking place in our repentance. So Jesus continues on to tell a story about a man who had two sons. You can follow along with me uh, in the story. I'm not going to read every bit of it. But you've probably heard this story as called the prodigal son, right? You've heard the story of the parable of the two sons, of the prodigal son. And so I, I'm changing, I'm changing that, that structure there or that title there because I think there's a lot more than just a story about a prodigal son here. There's way more to look at. And so I want you to be uh, listening to what God might have to say to you today. Not just what you have already heard from a, from a passage that is so well known, but what is God speaking to you about today? So, he has two sons, and the younger son wants his share of the property. So, the father uh, divides the property among the two sons. The younger son probably had one-third of the property, and he gives it to the younger son, and the, t- the son takes it, and he goes to a far country. I don't know what a far country means, but he goes somewhere, okay? He takes his property, and basically what he was telling the father, he said, I don't necessarily care about you, but what I want you to do is I want you to tear your life apart and give me what I want so that I can go and use it however I want to. So the father gives it to him and the son goes to a far country and there he squanders his property and is left with nothing. And since he's left with nothing, there's a famine that arises in the land. So he's got nothing and he's also stuck in a land that has, that's in a famine. So he sells himself to go and feed pigs. I don't know if you've ever been around pigs before. They're not the greatest smelling thing in the world and they're not real cute I don't know, maybe you're a lover of pigs. I'm sorry if, I say, if I'm offending you. But listen, pigs are nasty. And what they eat is nasty, okay? All the things they eat is just everything that nobody else wants. That's what they want. And so he's feeding pigs out, out in, this, in this area, wherever it is. And as he's feeding the pigs, he begins to think, man, that stuff looks pretty good. Now you've got to be in a desperate situation to look at a pig's food and think, man, that looks pretty good. And so he's desperate in this moment. And since he's so desperate, he comes to terms with it because he's gotten to the bottom. I mean, he's at the very bottom of the barrel right now. He comes to the bottom and he says, he says, my servants, my, my dad's hired servants in his house, they eat better, they sleep better, and they're in such a greater place than what I, where I am right now. And he says, I'm going to go back to my father's house And I'm going to make myself a hired servant, just as one of his servants is. And I'm going to go and and do that. And maybe I will be able to pay back what I have wronged him for. So he conjures up a good speech too. Let me get this speech ready. Have you ever done something wrong to somebody? And you're like, man, I've got to go and ask for forgiveness. Like I've got to think through this a little bit. I want to make sure that every word that's coming out of my mouth is correct. Have you ever done that before? So this is what the son is feeling in this moment as he is heading back to his father's house. And as he's a long ways off, his father sees him and he goes, oh no, here he comes. The father hikes up his robe or his skirt or whatever he's got on, his clothing. He hikes it up. He reveals his legs, okay, which is unprecedented for a patriarch inside of a home. But he reveals his legs and he runs to the son and he embraces him. 
And as the son is just about to get the words out, Dad, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have ever done that. I, I want to become one of your hired servants. He's, he, dad's not even listening to him. He says, servants, bring me the best robe. And he puts a robe on him, which would have been one of his own robes. He says, bring me the ring. Bring me a ring and put it on his finger, which is a sign that he is still a part of his family. And then he says, kill the fattened calf, which is only slain and killed for the greatest and best occasions. And so they throw a massive party for the younger son. Now, why did they do this? Look at Luke 15 verse 24. He says, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to celebrate. It was a celebration. It was a party. My son has come home. He is safe and sound. But there's another son in the story. And the older son is in the field working. He's doing everything that his father told him to do. He is doing, he is abiding by every rule that his father has given him. Everything that his father has asked of him, he has, he has done. And he's walking up to the house and he hears music and dancing. And yes, there's dancing inside of scripture. So, if you ever feel the little twinge in your leg when you hear a song come on, it's okay. It's okay. Lean into it. Lean into it. So he calls one of his servants... The older son calls one of the servants and he says, he says, come here, let me ask you, what is, what is going on? I hear this music, I hear dancing, like what is, what is happening? And the servant tells him, he says, hey, your younger brother has actually come home and your father has thrown a party for him because he's back safe and sound. And what does the brother do? Oh, yes. All right. Amen. My younger brother has come back. Yes. No, he gets angry. How dare how dare my younger brother come back after he has squandered everything, as he has taken all of this property and he's gone. Why is he angry? He's angry because he knows the things that are being used for this massive party are supposed to be his at some point. Because his younger brother has already taken everything and now everything is his. Does that remind you of a story where I was angry with my sister? How dare her come and take my stuff? How frustrated he might be. So the father leaves his party and he comes out to his oldest son. Now think about this for a second. The father comes out to the younger son and the father goes out to the older son. There's, a, there's something going on here that the father's idea of his love for his sons, that he goes out to them. He doesn't allow them to come to him. He actually goes to them. So the father comes out to entreat his older son. The son grumbles and he asks, why have you never done this for me? Does that sound like a sibling? Why have you never done this for me? He says, your son, he can't even call him his brother. He said, your son has squandered everything, has wasted the inheritance, and this is the way you treat him? And the father says to his older son in verse 31 through 32, he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And that's how the parable ends. So what does this mean for us? 
Why is the parable in like that? Does everybody reconcile and everybody's a big happy family again? Like what happens? We don't, we don't know exactly. But there's a lost sheep and the lost sheep is found. There's a lost coin and the coin, uh, there's a celebration that ensues. And then there's a lost son that is found as well. So what is Jesus trying to say? What is he trying to portray to the Pharisees in this moment? He's trying to help them understand that they have a heart problem. There's something wrong inside of their soul and their heart that makes this man, this older son, angry at his younger brother that how dare him come back and be safe and sound. Because the Pharisees are looking at Jesus and how dare you eat with tax collectors and sinners? How dare you associate yourself with these, these low life, good, good to nothing low life people? Like that's, that's disrespectful. How dare you? It's completely against the heart of God. But see, Jesus was not coming in to bring the kingdom of this world. He was bringing a kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is way different than the kingdom of this world. You see, the kingdom of God is going to be made up of not people who think that they've got it all together. It's going to be made of, of broken sinners, hum, humble, ready to come to the Father and say, Here I am. I am nothing, but you are everything. This is what the kingdom of God is, is made up of. The Pharisees didn't understand this. The Pharisees didn't understand that, that the kingdom of God was, was not a kingdom where people are in power and they gain success in that way. The kingdom of God is the idea that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. The kingdom of God is the idea that if you want to be great, you have to be a servant. Pharisees didn't get this. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing. He was trying to get them to understand that you don't have to look or come from a certain class to be a part of the kingdom of God. You don't have to come from a certain nation to be a part of the kingdom of God. You don't have to have a certain color of skin to be a part of the kingdom of God. An example of this is in Acts chapter 10. Peter is, is just uh, reeling inside of himself because his heart tells him and says, hey, the gospel of God, the kingdom of God is only for Jews and for Jews alone. The Holy Spirit is only to be given to Jews. And God comes and he reveals a vision to uh, Peter. And as he's revealing this vision to Peter, he reveals to him, hey, don't call unclean what I have called clean. The gospel is for all people. The gospel was created and the Holy Spirit is to indwell all people from every nation, every tribe, every language. In Acts chapter 10 verse 42 and 43 it says, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in Jesus is offered forgiveness of sins. I mean, the Pharisees are probably really frustrated at this point. I mean, I mean, Jesus is just poking them. I mean, he's just giving them exactly what they need to hear. And they're getting angry because they're relating to that older son. Because they're getting frustrated. How dare Jesus bring a kingdom of God that is made up of people who are 
just despised and sinners. Ugh, can't believe that. So what I want to do real fast is I want to look at three characters inside of this story. I want to look at three characters inside of this story. One character is this, the lost son. These are ones who have desired the kingdom of God without the king. They've desired the stuff of the kingdom, but they haven't desired the king himself. Just like he said, hey, father, rip yourself, rip your life apart so, you, so I can have the stuff, so I can go and do with it what I well please. They might have the stuff, but they want it their own way. And so I want you to say this with me real quiet, real, real quick. It'll be on the screen. Check, or before you start, check your heart. Before you start, check your heart. Before you begin to make idols out of your material possessions that you own, maybe you need to check your own heart. Maybe you're relating to this lost son that takes and, and goes and squanders everything. And my question is, am I loving this creation more than the creator? Am I loving the creation more than the creator? Before you start, check your heart. Before you begin to think that those that car or those clothes or money or sex or alcohol or drugs or everything else in between will satisfy your longing soul, check your heart. Make sure that your heart is in the right place. See, it is easier than you think for the devil to put a thought in your head that something other than God can satisfy you. And if you are here this morning and you know that you are in a place where you are putting uh, the stuff inside of the kingdom and you're putting your, your, your um, uh, life and your value and everything into the things that God has created instead of God himself, then the call is for you to repent and believe. Repent and believe. And this made me think about our jail ministry that we have going on. That there are many who have made mistakes inside of our jail, but those mistakes have not stopped the gospel from being made known in their hearts and changing them completely. That even though we make mistakes in our past, the Father is still going, okay, okay, repent and believe in me. Walk in my truth. And we've seen many come to faith and be baptized. And we have celebrated that even in here by watching videos and seeing the pictures of people who are getting baptized and giving their life to Jesus. What a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. People who desire and repent and believe that Jesus is better than all of those things. It reminds me of Matthew 11 where it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But then we've got the older son. These are ones who have thought that their religious activities have deserved them a higher place than all those lowly peasants, low lives, people that don't, that just, they, they walk all over people. They would never, they would never, and, and I know you think there are people in your life right now where you're like, they would never come to faith. Oh, be careful. Be careful of thinking in that way. But the older son are people who, who think that they deserve more because of how great they are. Or how, how many uh, things that they have done for the kingdom of God. Before you start, check your heart. Before you start to think that you are better than someone else because of your attendance at church. Or how many Bible studies you're a part of. Or how many verses you have memorized. Or how much you serve. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad. Don't hear me say that. 
Don't neglect coming to church because this is the place where we gather as a body of believers to encourage one another and lift each other up and spur one another on to good works. But all of those are good, but none of them matter if your heart is not in the right place. Paul says you are a resounding gong. You are noise. You are nothing if you don't love people, but you just do religious activities. Do you think God is more worried about your 401k or do you think he's worried more about the heart behind what you're going to do with that? How you're going to use that for his kingdom. He cares more about what pops into your mind when you see a person with different colored skin than about your journal full of verses that you're memorizing on love. See, God loves the humble, repentant heart more than a callous, cold heart that is unwilling to be shaped and molded by him. Your heart says a lot about who you are. And so maybe you're in here today and you're like, okay, I I am connecting with this lost son or I'm kind of connecting with this older son. Either place, wherever you are, the third character in this story is the most important one that we we need to focus and hone in on this morning. The father. The most important thing is the father. See, both sons relate to the character of the father. And listen how they did it. The younger thought the father would not accept him because of all the things that he had done. He thought he had to pay him back. He thought that he had to be good enough to get to the father. He thought that he had to, he had to become a hired servant so that he could gain access back into the father's love. And the father said, absolutely not. You come to me. I will take care of things. The older son thought that he deserved the father's stuff. He thought, man, I've done enough good stuff. I've been here this whole time. I've been working. I've been doing exactly as you say. And I deserve what you, what you have. But neither are correct in that way. Neither are correct in their, in their thinking. The character of the father in this story is the character of God. He doesn't care whether you have squandered everything or if you have been the most outstanding Pharisee of all time. His same message to you this morning is repent and believe. Repent and believe. Because what he has to offer is way better than anything else that this world has to offer. Take for example, Matthew 15 verse 8. Matthew 15 verse 8, it says this. And he's quoting, Jesus Jesus quoting from Isaiah. It says, this people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So there's a possibility that we can honor the Lord with our lips and our service, but yet our hearts can still be far from him. Where is your heart this morning? Because he would desire nothing more than for you to have a heart like David. Who when he sinned and when he messed up and when he did things that were wrong and when he used his power to get what he wanted, this is David's response. Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Man, God so desires For you not to get so caught up in your self-righteous living or not to get so caught up in, oh no, I've I've done too many bad things inside of my life that there's no way that he would accept me. Neither of those are correct. 
Because God is not scared of your reckless living. He's not like, I'm offended by, oh my goodness, look at, look at what they've done. Look at what Chris has done again. There's no way that he can come back to me and, and repent and believe because there's, no, there's nothing that uh, he's done way too many bad things. But God is also, he's not scared of your pharisaical living either. The same God who created the world, who parted the Red Sea, who led his people through the Red Sea and led them with a pillar of fire and smoke, the same God who came in the flesh in Jesus, do you think that he can't handle your mess? Do you think that he can't handle the things in your life that you think that he can't handle? He is God Almighty, creator of all things. And we're like scared that, oh no, well he can't, he can't handle this, this junk. Not what I've been keeping in the closet. There's no way. The same message is for all of us. Repent and believe. Walk in humility with the God of all creation who isn't a God. Thank you, Matt, for explaining this. He's not just a God who is sovereign above all things and are far off, but is here with us, came in the flesh into our mess, who dwelt with us. John 1.14, who dwelled with us died on a cross for our sins, not so that we can go, well, we're just not good enough. No, he did that so that he knows and he understands that you're not good enough. You can't be good enough. You can't pay him back and you can't live a life that's going to, that's going to uh, make him proud or more proud or love you more than what you already are. He says, I'm already God. Come to me. So this morning, my encouragement for you is check, and before you start, check your heart. Make sure that your heart is in the right place. Make sure that you are not thinking like the lost son who thinks that he can't come to the father without paying him back. Or not thinking that you can be good enough and you can earn the father's love or his blessing. Before we sing this last song, I want you to think through, what are some things that you need to repent of inside of your life? What are some things in your life that you need to believe in? Who are some people in your life that you look at like, a, like the Pharisees did and say, there's no way that they can be a part of the kingdom of God? Who's God calling you to share the gospel with? Who's God calling you to that maybe that one conversation that you have with them, even telling them this story, telling them this parable to help them understand, hey, God is not a God who is far off, but actually comes to you. He's like the father in this story. The younger brother thinks that the father would never accept him. Repent and run to him. The older brother neglected love for others and was living self-righteously with an attitude that leads to bitterness and anger. And he was missing out on the freedom of peace and joy of just being in God's presence. 
wherever you are this morning, what I want to ask of you, and y'all can come on up. What I want to ask of you is this. If there are some things inside of your life this morning that you know that God is asking you to lay down at the feet of Jesus, to lay down, to repent of, and to believe for him, maybe these steps this morning as an act of faith, you want to come down here and you just want to kneel down and and you just want to say to all of us, there are some things in my life that I need to get rid of. That I need to repent of because there's some things that, that I see people inside of my life who look differently than me. Or I see people inside of my life that I would never think that the Lord. And I just need to repent of that and believe that God is way bigger. And God is way better. Or maybe you're walking as that younger son who thinks there's no way that the Lord would accept me for all the things that I have done. Maybe you just need to come and say, Lord, I need you. I'm not good enough. And I never will be. Either way, after I pray, you come. We'll stand and we'll sing and we'll celebrate and and sing about the grace and the mercy and the love of God. But if you need to take that moment, you need to come and you just need to kneel at this altar. and You need to kneel uh, where you are. Whatever it is, do some work with the Lord this morning. Ask him to reveal some things in your life that you need to begin to walk in faith and repentance and believe him for. We hope that you have enjoyed this sermon audio from Coggin Avenue Baptist Church. If you'd like to learn more about us or know what it means to follow Jesus, visit us online at www.cogginchurch.com.